Welcome. This is Anastasia Uglova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcast as well as many other audio offerings. Today, the Cato Institute releases its eighth biennial fiscal policy report card on the nation's governors. The report card's grading is based on 23 objective measures of fiscal performance. Governors who have cut taxes and spending the most receive the highest grades, and those who have increased spending and taxes the most receive the lowest grades. Director of Budget Studies Stephen Slavinsky discusses the report's findings. How are the governors graded in the report card? Governors are graded based on 23 objective measures of fiscal discipline, basically on spending and on taxes. Governors who get the highest scores are the governors who are able to cut spending and cut taxes in their states, and the ones that get the lowest grades are those that raise spending and raise taxes in their states. Now, I'm not of the opinion, for instance, that if you just cut taxes but you don't cut spending, you should get a good grade. You get a mediocre grade, frankly, because you're not really reducing the size of government. What the report card tries to capture is how committed governors are to actually reducing the size and scope of government, not just on taxes, but also on the size of government and the amount of money that government spends as well in their states. Another thing we like to point out in the study is that it's often very difficult to isolate specifically all of the influences that go into passing a budget. So in a lot of times, governors' grades are handicapped by the fact that they just have really big spending legislatures. Other governors who are big spenders just by their own inclination tend to have, in some cases, higher grades than they should have otherwise because they have a legislature who doesn't rubber stamp all of their expensive schemes. And so it does cut both ways. And there are some governors, often we get nasty calls from them when they get a lower grade than they anticipated. A lot of times it's because their legislature just isn't very good. But we do have a specific set of variables that look at what governors propose versus what actually happened. And so we think it's a pretty robust form of grading process. And as a result, we focus not just on taxes, but also on spending as well. So who are the governors that have been the greatest disappointments over the last year? One of the things we've noticed about the report card over the past 16 years, and all governors generally, is that they tend to decline in terms of their grades the longer they stay in office. Call it the curse of incumbency, if you like. Some governors will decline slower than others. This time around, we found a few governors who just really declined rather quickly. Governor Bill Owens of Colorado was a great governor his first four years in office. In fact, he was considered one of the brightest stars in the limited government universe. Small universe, as that may be, among governors, but he still was one of the brightest stars. He was on everyone shortlist for running for higher office after he left the governor's seat in Colorado. Problem is, the last four years, he's, in a sense, really changed his stripes. He's actually gone in the opposite direction. One of the main reasons he got such good scores and such good grades his first four years is because of this Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights Amendment. It's in the Constitution. It requires government to stay within boundaries. Specifically, government cannot grow faster than population plus inflation. What Owens has done is he's actually gone to the ballot with the help of the Democratic legislature and said, let's go ahead and get rid of this limit for about three or four years. Let government keep three bills dollars over the next four to five years and effectively, in a sense, neuter this constitutional limit. He was successful in getting this. And as a result, tax burdens are going to go up in Colorado. And for that, he's dropped from the grade of an A to the grade of a D for this certain term. He's leaving office with an overall grade of C, of course, because you average those two. But the truth of it is, he's declined substantially over the course of the past four years. Another governor who was a great tax and budget cutter early on and now ended up, in a sense, going native is George Pataki of New York. Again, someone who everyone saw, conservatives anyway, as being another bright star. And of course, he has declared that he wants to run for president. 
the question is, what sort of platform is going to run on? He's certainly not going to be able to run on being a tax-cutting governor because the last four years, he's actually reversed pretty much anything good he did his first few terms. And specifically what you saw was massive tax cuts during his first few years in office. He's actually reversed all of that. He's raised taxes. He's raised income taxes. He's raised sales taxes. In a sense, he's actually completely overwhelmed what he used to do. And as a result, he left taxpayers in New York worse off, or more specifically, no better off than they were when he got into office. But perhaps the biggest disappointment is Arnold Schwarzenegger of California. Here's a guy who ran in a historic recall election in 2003 against a big spending tax hiking governor, Gray Davis. And Schwarzenegger ran on the platform of cutting government in Sacramento and cutting taxes. His first couple of years, he was able to actually do some of that. He encountered a $15 billion massive budget deficit in California. He actually was able to cut $6 billion in spending over two years. He was able to get things under control. He did issue a lot of debt, and we did criticize him for that in the last report card in 2004. But he also did get rid of a car tax hike that Gray Davis put into place right before he left office. On average, he ended up getting a very high score. He got an A, as a matter of fact. We saw him as one of the best new governors in America just two years ago. How quickly things change, of course. In a sense, he's not the kind of governor that he claims he was going to be. Now, we've seen him over the past two years. He's agreed to massive increases in the state budget. In fact, just this year, he agreed with the Democrats in the state legislature to increase the budget by over 10%. These are massive budget growths, more than we've seen in most states. Now Schwarzenegger is going on the stump to try to get voters to pass a $37 billion bond initiative that's going to pay for some infrastructure projects, but it's also going to finance a whole lot of pork projects as well. And so it really doesn't seem as if Schwarzenegger is the big tax-cutting, government-cutting governor that he said he was going to be when he auditioned for the role of chief executive in California. If anything, he looks a lot more like the tax-and-spend governor he replaced, Gray Davis. He looks a lot more like a borrow-and-spend version of Gray Davis, in fact. Have there been any successes? The top-scoring governor this year is Matt Blunt of Missouri. You know, he's only been in office for two years, which may explain why he's gotten such a high grade. But over those two years, he's done a substantial amount of budget cutting. And he's actually one of the few governors in the report card that has actually been able to control spending in Medicaid. Now, of course, Medicaid's one of the biggest growing elements of most state budgets. And in fact, by many estimates, it's going to consume over 50% of the budget in some states over the next 20 to 25 years. And so getting this under control is going to be a really important element in most fiscal policy platforms among all the states and among all the governors. What Blunt's been able to do is he actually was able to restrain the growth of spending, restrain the growth of enrollment in that program. He's one of a handful of only a few governors who've done that. And as a result of also not just keeping spending under control, but also keeping taxes under control. He's only done one bad thing in some respects. He's raised the cigarette tax, but he hasn't raised any other taxes. And he's been able to keep tax burdens low in Missouri for the most part. What's unfortunate, it looks like it's starting to change. His grade might actually end up dropping. Of course, there's only one place to go when you've got an A and that's down. It looks like he might end up dropping in the next report card because he started to increase spending. And in fact, he's actually restored some of the cuts he'd made to Medicaid just a few years ago. And so this may be a short-lived A, but for now, he ranks in the report card as the best governor of the nation. Do the star students and the failures fall along party lines? Support for high taxes and big government tends to be a bipartisan phenomenon. There's this general consensus in the states that doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, frankly, you could end up being a big government guy or a small government guy. There are some Democrats who score rather well on our report card. Phil Bredesen of Tennessee is a Democrat, and then John Lynch of New Hampshire, also a Democrat. They've both been able to keep spending under control, and both of them have a very clear message to those who want to raise taxes, and that is don't do it. John Lynch of New Hampshire wants to go after the property tax initiative 
this state and get rid of it. Phil Bredesen of Tennessee campaigned and continues to hold to the notion that there's not going to be an income tax instituted in Tennessee. That's a drastic improvement from what his Republican predecessor, Don Sunquist, who was reviled, and rightly so, in Tennessee for trying to impose an income tax in Tennessee. And so it doesn't really always break down along partisan lines. Uh, You also see a lot of Republicans, as I mentioned, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Bill Owens becoming big government conservatives or big government supporters. And so over time, there tends to be a convergence between Democrat and Republican scores. The real trick is finding governors who can maintain a consistently high grade. In our report card, there's only two governors who've been able to maintain a consistently high grade through their first term in office, and that was Rick Perry of Texas, a Republican, and Mark Sanford of South Carolina. They both are tax-cutting governors, and they've both been able to keep spending under control. Very few governors are able to maintain that amount of fiscal discipline over a long period of time. How did Florida's Governor Jeb Bush do? Did he do well? I've been hearing a lot of good things about him. Jeb Bush started out his first term with an A, mainly because he was one of the most aggressive tax-cutting governors in the nation. And he has signed into law and been able to get past tax cuts in pretty much every year he's been in office. And he got an A for his first term as a result of that. He ended up getting a C in this report card, mainly because the last couple of years he's become a big spender. For about the first six years of his governorship, we saw a substantial amount of discipline in terms of spending. Now, the last couple of years, I guess because he's now no longer up for re-election because he's term limited. He just figures, well, we can go ahead and just spend more money now and hopefully no one will notice. We did, of course. So Bush gets an A in his first term, a C in his second term. Overall, he gets an average of a B. He's still one of the best governors in the nation. As it turns out, he's the highest scoring retiring governor in America and certainly the highest scoring Republican retiring governor in America. And so a lot of that was because of his tax cuts. And so it can't be diminished the fact that he's been able to be such an aggressive tax cutting governor, but his spending record needs a little more scrutiny than it's gotten from people in the media and other fellow Republicans. Now, I noticed that Virginia's Governor Tim Kaine did not make the report. Is there a reason for that? Governor Tim Kaine of Virginia was excluded from this report card because he assumed office too recently for his record to be fully assessed. We give governors two years to prove themselves. They need to have two budgets, and so we want to be able to see the differentiation over the few years, uh, rates of change, et cetera, for each governor. And so that's why Tim Kaine did not appear in this report card. The same goes for John Corazine of New Jersey and James Risch of Idaho. They both assumed office too early for us to gauge their fiscal prudence. Another governor who's always excluded from the report card is the governor of Alaska. In this case, it's Frank Murkowski. He's been excluded. In fact, all governors of Alaska have been excluded since the beginning of the report card because Alaska's got a very peculiar fiscal system. They, in a sense, don't really have taxes. I mean, they've got very low taxes, at least. Most of their revenue comes from oil severance taxes and extraction fees for oil and things of that sort. In fact, they even pay residents to live in Alaska. So as a result, they don't have a fiscal system that's comparable with any other state in the United States. And as a result, it throws everything off. And so we really can't grade the governor of Alaska because he doesn't deal with the same sorts of fiscal problems that every other state does. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.